Hello and welcome to the League of Mechies preview brought to you by the Mexican Soccer Show. I'm your host, Cesar Hernandez, and today we're going to discuss the first week of the upcoming Liga Mechies season. I'm joined by my good friends Tom Marshall and John Arnold to help me out today. John, uh, how are you doing? And thanks for joining the pod. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm doing fine living during a pandemic, uh, but otherwise, <laughs> everything's good. Good to hear. Good to hear. Tom, it's been quite some time since we last chatted and recorded podcasts. I think it has almost been a full 48 hours. Uh, how have you been since then? Uh, not bad, Cesar. Yeah, just uh, you just woke up from a nap, right? Bit. So yeah, you might be a little slow. Yeah, coffee. So, so <laughs> I might, I might, I might crescendo into this podcast. I'll probably be peaking <laughs> about the last couple of minutes. So, uh, so hopefully, it goes all right. <laughs> all right, boys. Well, let's dive into it. And uh, we unfortunately have to kick things off with the latest COVID nineteen news. Uh, earlier today, the the league announced that Thursday's season opener between San Luis and Juarez was delayed to what has uh, been reported as over 10 positive cases, uh, COVID cases for Juarez. So, Tom, can you, I mean, you know, before we dive into you know, each each match we'll be seeing this weekend, can you tell us a little bit more about the situation? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, it's serious. I mean, there's no there's no two ways about it. Um, I think League of MX were absolutely adamant and they are adamant that these games are going going to go ahead. You know, they've got the protocol in the, in place. They've got a 31-page 30, document that the clubs are following um, and they're desperate to, to keep this kind of on track. I mean, I think financially the clubs need it, you know, and, and they're trying to balance that with the human side. But obviously this is, um, it's, it's, it's a really, really tough situation because in isolation, they're not in a bubble. I mean, there's a lot of criticism for you know MLS, NBA, and and the bubble and the the players. Some of the players not being comfortable, and that's entirely understandable. But but this, this what League MX done is poses a different set of questions. I mean, you know, these players now are going to be traveling up and down the country. Um, just to put it all in perspective, on Tuesday. There was 915 deaths in Mexico over a 24-hour period and uh, close to 7,000 new cases. So it's not existing in a bubble what's going on in, in, in Liga MX. I mean, these players in the preseason, the Copa de Mexico, and the other cup that in León, um, you know, they're, they're traveling around. They're traveling around the country. There's, you know, I think there's, what, 650, 700, you know, people in in Liga MX actually traveling if, if it's like 30 35 people per squad so that's the situation out of those 650 people or whatever they've all got family members they've got they'll have different levels of kind of you know um how much they're looking after themselves how much they're staying in in kind of keeping themselves to themselves you know aside from the games and the traveling so it's um there's going to be cases i'm just there's absolutely no doubt there is going to be cases um and it's just you know, I don't know. He's just balancing it, basically. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, what is have? I mean, the reports ten tests. Um, I think Guillermo Cantu has said that seven, seven of the of the of the party that was going to travel to San Luis for Thursday opener were, were tested positive. So, so you know, the game's been postponed until Monday. They're going to carry out tests again. But I mean, the fear is that. It's not just Juarez, and and we right. heard the rumors about Nakaxa last week, and you know there's five five cases at Nakaxa, five at Atlas. I think was it four now at Chivas, including Tena, and I mean three at Monterrey. And these aren't isolated incidents now. They're like kind of it seems like almost every club has got has got cases, and it's just you know is it gonna? I don't know what what's the next step. Is this gonna? I don't know. I, th- I think we saw yeah. in MLS that kind of 
there was a lot of cases. They kicked out FC Dallas, got rid of Nashville, isolated them, and then they kind of, you saw the numbers dwindle. Um, and I don't know if that's going to be the case in Liga MX. I mean, I, I suppose a lot depends on how much the teams and the players and the individuals are following the protocol. Because if you look at the document, it's not it's not like something they put together, you know, at a whim. It is kind of you know, with World Health Organization guidelines, it's kind of put together with the government. I mean, it is kind of well put together, but at the same time, it's not. It's never going to be a hundred percent, you know, safety, you know, kind of net around this around this issue. It is. It is what it is, and I just think there's a there's a drive from Liga MX. I think there's a drive from clubs as well to to get this show back on the road. Yeah, and the thing is, is I mean, no, is that I mean, Tom, those teams that you mentioned there, that's I mean. Those are just from the last seven days. I mean, you know, Tigres, Necaxa, you know, Monterrey, Luis Ferenotena, the three players that test positive. That's just within the last seven days. So, I mean, John, I mean, that's really worrisome before the start of the season, right? I mean, it's just, it's, it's well, extremely worrisome. Yeah, you're at a situation, and just like we are in the United States, where you just have community spread that's so big that it's not possible really to trace it. And when you can't trace and isolate people who have been in contact with someone who has the virus, and certainly in Mexico and the United States, the testing is not good enough even to be able to say this person has the virus. Let's call up every person they've come into contact with and tell them they need to either get tested or isolate. Um, you know, there are going to be cases, right? I think we see this in, with a lot of U.S. sports. And, and like Tom said, you know, the numbers start out big and then as you isolate, they get smaller. But the question is, if there is a positive test, is it being treated the right way? You know, we look at the Toluca situation, which it sounds like is going right. to lead to a lawsuit. And it's like, well, if someone tested positive four days ago and then you bring them into training only four days later after a positive test, there's going to be spread. It's just how the virus works, even if the people are asymptomatic. And I also want to say, I think it's a bit problematic how these cases are being viewed and, and just kind of passed yeah. off as, oh, well, they're asymptomatic. It's OK. We don't know enough about the virus yet to even say right. that, I think, in the first place. And even if it is something where players are not necessarily feeling any impact, this is a game where, you know, it's a sport, it's a league where players are required to be at their very best. And I'm not so sure that even players who are, quote unquote, asymptomatic, you know, if they're truly not feeling anything different, then fine. But I think that there's situations where, you know, we're, we're seeing speculation and that's what it is at this point because the virus is too new to really know what it does over the course of three, five years. We're seeing speculation that there could be long term lung damage in some people. That's obviously going to affect how a footballer who wants to run for 90 minutes is able to play. So I think we're really playing with fire here. And while the protocol seems to be good, the question to me really is how firmly are teams sticking to it? And is there going to be a way to get those case numbers down when we talk about the fact that other leagues have been able to do it by isolating and tracing. And that may or may not be feasible when you have, you know, if someone goes to their grandma's birthday party. Well, we know Mexican culture. We know what those often look like. If there's 30 different people there right now, in some places, the chances are very high that there could be transmission. There could be community spread at that event. So listen, on the one hand, it definitely seems like the league is happening. It's going ahead and there will be healthy players on the field playing the game. But it also seems like this is in a big space of question. And uh, I think it, you know, like you said, unfortunate that we have to start there. But that is where you have to start is that, you know, the very first game of the season is not going to happen as we expected. And you wonder how much more is that going to happen? You do really hope that these teams do fall through with the protocols because, I mean, I know this was back in March, but remember the way that Liga Mekis kind of 
I don't know, they they, they, they kind of like fumbled their way through that final weekend before canceling everything. Friday, there was new rules where they're saying, it's like, oh, well, you know, now fans have to be given hand sanitizer, you know, before going to, I think, I believe it was actually a Sholos game. And there is actual like footage of fans just walking through without actually having to use any hand sanitizer. Then they were saying, oh, there's been no handshakes, you know, from the teams and that still happened. And it just, things changed very quickly. And it just, you, you do hope that teams do follow through with the with the new protocols. Um, I believe, Tom, I think I think in a recent article that you wrote, you actually uh, had a link to the 31 page uh, protocols, right? That the that the league is now putting into place, right? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can check it out online. I mean, it's, you know, it's there. It's uh, and it's not too dissimilar from say like the European leagues. You know, it's um, obviously you know the league MX has got that kind of. It can look to other leagues. It can even look to like Costa Rica, who, you know, the first league back in the Americas. Um, apart from um, what was that other Central America? Never stopped. Yeah, Nicaragua never stopped. Nicaragua never stopped. That, I mean, that's, a, that's a different case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Even Costa Rica, um, Costa Rica, I'm not sure that they're going to return on time because they started to see a huge spike after the league was successfully completed. And now they're saying, well, this might not be safe for our players either. And that was like sort of the example, right? I, I agree with you, Tom. There's a roadmap to be followed. But the difference between what like the Bundesliga is doing or even the Premier League is that yeah. the spread is much more contained there than it is in Mexico. And I just think like if you have players, you know, essentially you kind of almost need to have a bubble, right? To, to, to really have protection. And, and if it's going to be each team an individual bubble, to me, that's the only way where you start to see cases go down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's worrying. Um, and, and I think the other thing is the, you know, obviously there's the, there's the kind of health side and then there's, I don't know, the PR side. I mean, the Mexican League, again, for me, has just been so slow in, in terms of reacting to to the Juarez case, for example, to reacting to to setting out what the stipulations are for a game to be suspended, to set out the different tests, because because what happens is, and, and I don't think the media really understand, is uh, and and you know I've, I've been doing a little bit of MLS stuff, and you know, and they sometimes they make available like the chief medical officer so you can actually talk to them and they explain you know the different the different protocol and the way there has to be two tests and the first one could come back positive and then you need a secondary test to, for that actually to be defined as a positive um and so in theory you need two out of three tests to be positive to to actually be declared a positive now the scientific reasoning behind that, it's not just they've made it up and, and all the major US leagues are, are, are doing something very similar. But in Mexico, it's like you've got this case like with Juarez and, and with Nacaxa where I feel like the issues have been reported after the first test. Um, and, and the test, they're not, they're not kind of 100%. That's not in terms of not, they don't work. It's that they don't, sometimes it can be a positive test when you've had it, you know, a month ago. You know what I mean? So it's it's kind of it's difficult to understand, and I think that Liga MX again has been. I mean, Enrique Bonilla gave a press conference on on Tuesday, and I think you know people were tuning in. I certainly tuned in to uh, to to see what he was going to be talking about, and and at least to kind of mention of you know what's going on with these all these positive cases and and a reaction from the league and something kind of you know strong saying you know this is this is what's happening. There's been positive tests, but we're gonna we're continuing on. The players, you know, I don't know. I just felt like it, it all these te- all these positive cases now warranted a kind of statement or response from the league. And Enrique Bonilla just came out and said that they've got a new uh, sponsor, a digital sponsor, um, and and all the questions were, were geared towards 
you know, Caliente becoming becoming the sponsor of the league. Caliente, who uh, separate topic, but but also own a club. So, um, but but yeah, it but, is I mean, weird. I think the it PR is weird. We didn't start. It's, it's not been good. Yeah. We really should have started there, Cesar, and I, I think that you're to blame for the, the, the <laughs> not taking the Caliente sponsorship seriously enough. <laughs> the Grupo Caliente sponsorship. Actually, have you seen the new Cholos jersey? So they actually they actually have like a little yes. throwback to some of the to some of like the scribbles that they had in their old jerseys. And you know, of course, there are little dollar signs on the new jerseys. And all I keep thinking about is like Maybe you should have dropped the dollar signs like after selling Gerathron after getting this like league wide partnership with betting. Seems a little weird, but anywho. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, obviously, unfortunately, we have to kick things off regarding uh, COVID 19 news, but we feel like it was definitely important to do so before diving into the games. But we do still have nine games uh, set for the next day, a few days for now. But let's start with Friday's game between Negaxa and Tigris. Uh, Tigres, I would say they they have the depth in their squad. They can make five subs now. They don't have to worry about the youth minute rule. I mean, John, this should be the start of another good season for them, right? There's no way that Tuca uses five subs, right? This is a <laughs> guy who often <laughs> uses zero subs. There's no, I, I don't know. Maybe he does. Maybe he does. Maybe it's different. But I think I, they I have the depth. They do have the depth, but yeah, it's difficult to see them, you know, utilizing that depth. Maybe game to game, but. I think you do have to look at that, you know, when you look at the squads, Tigres certainly seem to still be a very strong squad, right? I mean, they have, every year they have an, an 11 at the very least, and usually, yeah, you can extend that to like a 15 or 16 where you're like, yeah, yeah, that could definitely, that's a team that could win the league, right? And when you have Gignac in the mix as well, um, there's always going to be the possibility that, that things go right for you, right? I think you saw... In the preseason tournament, some of the fire that they do still have, yeah. Um, and and yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I would be surprised if Tuco really uses all five subs or really really takes advantage of the depth because there are often players who are kind of sitting on the outside looking in at Tigres, making I guess a lot of money, and just kind of not playing as much as they should. But maybe this year changes with the fact that you're going to have players either because of COVID or just because of the fact that you're going to have a lot of games in a short period of time. Maybe you do see some of that rotation, but uh, it will be fascinating to see kind of who he starts out with uh, if he goes with kind of the preferred 11 that I think is going to evolve. Uh, and the Cax is kind of interesting too, right? You always see these yeah. overhauls. You see, you know, different players come in and out. They sell their best talent. They try and reload. I'm fascinated to see if like a guy like Alex Zendejas who comes over from Chivas can, can show some of the promise that he showed in the United States. I think that they have... Some decent pieces as well. Um, so, you know, all things considered, while it wasn't supposed to be the very first game, it could be a really intriguing matchup to start off the uh, Liga Mekis campaign. Dude, John, I'm going to call you out on Twitter if Tuka makes uh, five subs. I believe, I, I believe he won't. We should have a bet. We should have a bet on how many subs he's going to make on Friday. <laughs> for each one for each one that he leaves out, you have to smoke a cigarette. I've never smoked a cigarette, so I'm not going to do that. But uh, for each one that he doesn't, he doesn't utilize, you have to smoke a cigarette. I, th I think or, John is or, referencing uh, Tuca smoking in the stands uh, during one of those Copa por Mexico games. Uh, that is what I'm referencing. It's got the taste. Or, <laughs> or, <laughs> you smoking on this uh, on this podcast, by the way. Fine, fine. A grupo caliente play card. Every you know, load load a card with one, 
you beat me to the joke, man. You beat me ah, to the sorry, joke. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. But yeah, no, but I, I think I think uh, I think John de- definitely has a good point there. I am, I mean, I'm definitely fascinated to see that partnership between Gignac and Leo Fernandez. Uh, you know, Tom and I talked about it in the last podcast, but. I mean, there's just there's a lot of potential there. We already saw the assist uh, that Leo Fernandez provided for Gignac, and he adds a lot of youth too to uh, to an aging Tigres roster. Because I had no idea Leo Fernandez was so young, uh, but uh, definitely excited to see what they could do this season. But Tom Necaxa without Quiroga. I mean, I know they definitely have some interesting players coming in. You know, them playing their Necaxa money ball once again, taking their chances at a couple of the interesting talents. Maybe other teams wouldn't be. Uh, you know, willing to bring in, but I'm, I'm a little worried about Nekaxa without without Quiroga. No, I'm I'm not that worried. I mean, you know, I don't think, you know, you wouldn't put him in like the top ten. I don't think, but I think Pasarini is going to be a good signing. I think Maxi Salas is a good young player up front. I'm, I mean, I know I'm pretty confident they can get the goals. I think I think the big miss for Nekaxa heading into the season is Hugo Gonzalez because yeah. You know, his shot stopping was, was superb and, you know, the the side that needed that as well at times. So, you know, you've got um, Malagón coming in, in in goal or maybe Fassi from uh, from Grupo Pachuca. But it's just like, I've, I've liked Malagón and what I've seen of him, but to do that over the full season and not just a few games, I think is, is a question mark because he's a young goalkeeper. Um, and yeah, it's, I think it's a clash of styles, this one as well, I think, you know, Tiger is obviously going to try and dominate possession, and Nakaxa under Pancho Sosa going to be the much more comfortable um, playing playing more direct. So I think from that from that kind of point perspective as well, I think it's going to be uh, going to be an interesting game, and and it's all of a sudden the season opener, which is <laughs> which is a bit of a surprise. So um, so so yeah. Um, the other thing I think we should definitely mention is that you know Nakaxa have got have had these positive cases. Um, yeah. I can't remember off the top of my head now. Um, how many they've actually had um, within within the playing? I mean, oh yeah, I think it's I think it's only one player, but I don't know. It's another thing to look out for as these kind of positive results come out, because if that positive player is kind of your starting centre back or your captain, then it's one thing. If it's your you know your third goalkeeper, then it's not going to affect you kind of on the field. But you know, I know we'll get to Atlas, but uh, Rafa Puente today was saying that you know he's, he's starting eleven. Um, for the game against T1 was actually it's actually changed because of because of you know the fact the, the positive test within Atlas so so yeah we'll see I mean um, we'll see you know wh- who because the league aren't mentioning who the players are as well which is uh, which is another thing that you know which is uh, don't know I mean obviously it depends on the players' privacy and stuff but um, but it's another factor heading into this weekend for sure but yeah no I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. Um, and I think the other one, the other thing, I know, kind of going ahead of ourselves a little bit, but just while we're on Tigres and while we're on, you know, the Copa por Mexico, I, th- I think well, one thing we might see in this opening weekend is that the teams that were involved in those games actually do better than the ones yeah, that weren't. I could see that. Um, and, and especially a team like Nakaxa, who, you know, they missed last weekend friendly games. against Atlas. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the game was cancelled last weekend. Um, so, they, so they missed the last. Warm-up game, and I don't know, you saw Tigres against Cruz Azul and uh, Guido, Guido Pizarro kind of arguing with um, with Ciboldi, and, and, you know, it meant something. There was an edge to that game, and the same with the final with Chivas and Palais and, and Cruz Azul, and I don't know, the, 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 there was, I think the good thing about those games for those teams is there was an edge, and it was 
you know, it was obviously a preseason, but there was there was an element of um, competitiveness about them. So I think they might have a little bit more going into this season than than some of the other teams. But uh, but yeah, it's just something else to to kind of keep an eye at, keep an eye yeah. on. Most definitely. And uh, let's move on to Friday's other game, including a team that was in the Copa de Mexico but failed to to get a single win, and that's uh, Mazatlan, and they'll be hosting Puebla. Uh, I mean, John, I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna say that Mazatlan gets their first ever win here. I feel like this exact kind of opponent that they need. I mean, this this Puebla side. I mean, over the last two seasons, I mean, we got to leave out Veracruz, obviously, but. No Liga, no Liga Mekis team has scored fewer goals than Puebla, so I think this could potentially be a good opportunity for Mazatlan. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that you know when you look at Puebla, there's not haven't really done a ton, I would say, to reinforce that that attack that you mentioned has not necessarily uh, been um, incredible. You know, I, I'm still a Chumacero believer, but uh, you know, uh, believe in Schweinsteiger, sure. right? Yeah, absolutely. But I, I'm not so sure that, you know, that, that they do enough necessarily. You got uh, Oswaldo Martinez as well, aging, you know. Uh, I, I'm interested by Mazatlan this year. I think it is a shame that they won't be able to play with fans. You know, their crowd is always so good. They have such passionate and fervent support year over year. Wait a second. No, that's not right. But but uh, but it is interesting, you know, when you look at I, I, I do think uh, – that they have some interesting pieces. They have basically yeah. like three fourths of the Chilean national team that, that, uh, that won the Copa America back in the day. Uh, they they really do have some pieces. I don't know. I mean, I honestly, I would say if Tom says, well, you know, Necaxa probably not top ten. I don't think you're looking at either of these teams as being in the top ten in the playoff chase. Really, maybe they could surprise. But you know, I think there's been a lot of transition from Mazatlan, not just moving, right? You know, losing a coach trying to figure out the new style, dealing with coronavirus cases during the, the preseason tournament. So I think there's a lot going on and they would do well, even though Puebla is the opponent that maybe you want to see, I think they'd do well to get a victory and kind of start off the, the new era on the right foot. Yeah, and actually, I think Barcelona had some decent flashes in the, in the, in the Copa por Mexico. So I, I think it's definitely entirely possible for them. And I mean... Yeah, let's go. I mean, even though I made fun of them a little bit there for not getting a single win, I thought, yeah, I, I thought they looked fine. I thought uh, Quick Mendoza uh, looked fine there. But I mean, Tom, I mean, with, with Puebla, I mean, I mean, I mentioned, you know, no Liga Mekis team scoring fewer goals than them last season, the season beforehand. I mean, is there, is there any sign of hope for them? Or maybe this is the perfect opponent for them, too, if you think about it. No, I was going to say it's a big game, um, you know. These two teams, you know, we don't expect them to be kind of in the top half of the table, but these are the games that are going to define whether these teams with this new playoff system, where the top 12 get in, you know, these are massive games because these three, six points, they can be the difference between getting that, you know, 10th, 11th, 12th spot and finishing down in 16th. So I think it's a massive game. I think Mazatlan especially, given that it's a new club, could really, really do with a, a positive start. It's going to be difficult. I think Pueblo are going to kind of sit back look to him on the counter I think you know Paco Palencia is going to try and take the game to to Puebla um and yeah I think it's uh it's an important game I mean Mazatlan uh have, have, uh they've named a couple of sponsors this week as well which I think oh, yeah. is, uh, is oh, bring that up attention. yes funeral funeral it was a funeral home yeah funeral home and um and El Recodo the uh the banda so um which is which is Different, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's not the the usual Coca Cola, Bimbo, or uh, or betting company, is it? 
but um, but yeah, fair play to him to, to going outside the going outside the um, the box there with those two. But yeah, yeah, big game, a big game for both of these teams, and um, they'll be they'll be both desperate, and I think especially Mazatlan playing in that first game to um, to get the three points. All right, so let's now move over to uh, Saturday's Chivas versus Leon. I mean, for me, this is. For me, this is a game of the weekend because I think it's—I think it's fair to say this is potentially. I know it's ridiculous to say that this could be a playoff preview when I'm talking about week one. But come final on, I, I, this, this, uh, yeah, final, yeah, championship final game. Tune into the championship game this weekend. But no, I'm—I'm I'm very, very excited by this. I mean, I think. I mean, we've seen what. I mean, just how Leon has impressed us in, in, in recent years, and I think Chivas. I mean, I, I feel like they—they kind of finally fine-tuned everything from from early. Uh, 2020 after having so much talent and trying to figure out how to properly utilize that talent i feel like then finally has his ideal 11 i think angula macias and vega were quite exciting to watch the copa por mexico and uh i mean john your, your, your thoughts on this am, am i am, am i i don't know am i being a little ridiculous here by saying this could potentially be uh the championship the, game the well, final i don't know i don't know about that but i do think it's fair to say that you would expect to see both of these teams playing into the Ligia. I think you're absolutely right that Tena has found a group that that it's works. Mostly these days, when you mention Ligue, and it's like, right, right, like his right. thing is like top twelve. Yeah, <laughs> top twelve. Yeah. Gonna oh, be in the top enough. two fair thirds enough. of the league. They, they will be. I, I think you could even say, okay, put them into the next round, right? Get them past that wild card. I, I think that says all your expectations of seeing these teams make potential runs. Uh, is totally right. You know, when you look at the way that, that Chivas played in the preseason tournament, and, and I think the fact that they've started to, like you said, I think they started to gel. You know, they were very active in January. You know, people went a little far, I think, saying, new Super Chivas or whatever. But, you know, it is a team that, that did go out. They did get talent. And they've had time, right? They've had nothing but time yeah, to sort yeah. of put it all together. And I think that you saw that in the preseason tournament. Leon in the same way, right? You know, they they... They didn't, you know, maybe go out and make a big of a splash as other teams, but they kept together a lot of the group that was already working pretty well. When you look at Olaf Campbell staying, um, you know, I think their defense had been such a liability for so many years. Maybe, maybe not. You know, like now, I think it's better than maybe two or three seasons ago. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think that both these teams have a lot of potential. And really showed well in the preseason tournaments. How much stock you put in those, I guess, depends on how seriously you think a championship game prediction could be. But I definitely like what both these teams have been doing in recent years. And I think it should be, you know, for me, when I look at the games, it's probably the game of the weekend for me. Yeah, I was probably exaggerating just a little bit there. I think it'll be Cruz Azul <laughs> who lifts the title. But Tom, <laughs> but Tom, thoughts thoughts on this match? I mean, at least, I mean, I guess, well, I was about to say it's, it's It'd be pretty exciting to see him on Telemundo. It's really like a throwback to '90s, but I guess you won't be seeing Telemundo over there in Mexico City. But you know, th- thoughts on this uh, match this week? No, yeah, I mean it's actually interesting the TV stuff because obviously in the states you've got this big deal with Telemundo, and then we're going to see what if they if they do English language stuff as well because you know they've got the rights in English. Um, I've not heard anything about them kind of doing it for this first game, but well, it'll be interesting to see moving forward what what kind of Chivas and, and Telemundo NBC actually actually do in terms of you know producing either English commentary or, or English language content um, but it's interesting in Mexico because there's there's gonna be there's gonna be a bit of a scandal this weekend and I don't think a lot of Chivas fans are kind of it's, don't think it's really sunk in but this game's only going to be shown on on the cable um, service easy um, and and basically it's owned by Televisa 
So it's basically, you know, like I've got Sky because I've got all the games. You know what I mean? It's like basically you get all the games. You get the Premier League, La Liga, and 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 pretty much every game in Mexico. But they've actually taken it off that. And Tigres had it last year as well. And it was it's so annoying. And the only way you can get this service is by contracting this cable, separate cable. Um, so, I do think... so you will be watching it on Telemundo when we FaceTime you the game. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, but I think you can actually get it on Blimp. Um, this kind of, I don't know what service it is like. It's like a Netflix or something. So I don't know. But it's, it's like you have to subscribe. So it's it's kind of... It's, people are going to be annoyed in Mexico, 100%. I mean, they've got the big deal in the States and they've kind of created a bit of a wave with it. But uh, but in Mexico, for, for the most popular team or, or certainly there with America, then it's um, it's not great. But yeah, in terms of the game, yeah, no, can't wait. I think this is, I think you're right, Cesar, saying it's it's the game of the weekend. Um, okay, that was me, that was me. <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> definitely... Yeah, definitely two teams that are going to go at each other, I think, as well. So, uh, so yeah, bring bring it on. And, and like I said, I think on the last show, I'd, I'd quite likely on to win the title. I mean, I think they've been really good under Nacho Ambriz for yeah. for over a year now. And, um, and yeah, it'd be nice to see see a team like Leon in such free-flowing football kind of, you know, actually actually lift the title and get that kind of that crown, and especially for a Mexican coach like, uh, like Ambriz. Yeah, and Mena was... Ankel Mena was scoring a high numbers again in early 2020, so he's definitely be a player to keep an eye on once again. Um, but let's look over at Saturday's uh, other match. It's going to be between Cholos and Atlas, or like I mentioned in the last podcast, Choloretero. Uh, uh, <laughs> John, your, your you thoughts? You absolutely love that, don't you, Cesar? Oh, I do. <laughs> oh, I do. Oh, I do. So, someone, someone on Twitter, I forgot how they said They said it was. Uh, they gave me a 5 out of 10 uh, for that. Uh, <laughs> which for you is, I mean, that's pretty good. Know. Hey, you know, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's a higher rate than usual. Uh, John, I mean, your, your thoughts on the interesting situation regarding, you know, Schultz, I mean, they got Pablo Guetta in, but now, I mean, it's just a number of players are from Caretero, and this could potentially mean that they're a dark horse, but I mean, I mean just your, your thoughts in general, just heading into this weekend about Schultz. Yeah, I'm actually fascinated to see what their home record ends up being because, you know, whenever I was living there, there was it was Fortress Estadio Caliente. It was impossible to go in there and get a victory, partly because the team was really good, but also partly because it's like a very weird place to travel. So I'm not sure if it becomes yeah. easier or more difficult now in this pandemic world that we're living in where there won't be fans, but at the same time, you still have to deal with a lot of the things that make the Caliente strange, right? The turf, number one. And number two, the time zone. I, I think, you know, even though some of the games start late, you're, you're, you're maybe not eating at the same time, or you are, but, you know, it's, your body's doing different things, right? I think those were two factors that people often overlooked when, when noting how difficult it was to go into the Caliente. Taking those external factors out, I also think that partly because, or maybe even uh, mostly because of the kind of raiding the cupboard of Caretaro. This is a really intriguing team. You know, when you look at some of the names of players that they've brought in uh, from the Gallos Blancos, you know, Marcel Ruiz really stands out. Even getting like a Fabian Castillo back yeah. is fascinating, right? You know, th these are players who we've seen have success in Liga Mekis before and know have the potential to continue to do things. And you combine that with a manager who you could say the same thing about. We've seen him have success before in Mexico. We've seen him overachieve, I would argue, um, at Monarcas. So now that he has a roster that I think may be even more talented than what he has, I'm fascinated to see what happens and, and how he does. So, yeah, I think the, sh the, the, the Solo Retero experiment is, uh, 
is going to be an interesting one to watch for sure. And and for me, I, I do tip my hand toward them because of both the, the roster and uh, the home field advantage, even without fans. Yeah, me too, me too. And especially just Pablo Guede. I mean, just him stepping in there. I mean, I... I told Tom this, you know, I, I think I, I'm really worried about Schultz's defense. I think that's something they really should have uh, worked on when uh, bringing in some of those uh, new figures, or should I say, you know, figures from the team that they sold. But I, th- I think uh, his get his attack-minded soccer is going to potentially compensate uh, for anything happening in the back line. But Tom, I mean, are we not are we not giving Atlas enough credit? I mean, they were low in our preseason power rankings, and the addition of Golda could be interesting. I mean, I, I feel like he could be enough to not only carry them to success here, because remember, he's he's had experience, you know, playing on this uh, on this pitch in the Estado Caliente, but yeah. maybe it's enough to really carry them to potentially even a playoff spot. Yeah, I mean, I think over the season, he's going to be a, he could be a top signing. I mean, you know, like I said the other day, I mean, leaving the, the other stuff to one side, he's one of the best wingers in the league, but, um, but he's not going to be around this weekend because of his injury. Oh, that's um, right, man, that's right. But yeah, I think it's a tough it's a tough one for Atlas this. Um, you know, I think Rafa Puente is not the type of manager who's gonna go up to the Tijuana and kinda sit back. You know what I mean? And I think I don't know. I mean that's that, that's my worry for Atlas that these kind of games that they're gonna go try and go toe to toe with teams that are that are probably better than them, then then how's that gonna look over the course of the season? So I don't know, I've got my question marks about Rafa Puente at Atlas. I think I don't think the squad's as bad as kind of I don't know. I don't think it's too bad. I mean, I think they've got an, an okay kind of squad there. Um, you know, they've, they've had these these positive tests though, so we don't know which players are in and which players are out. I mean, this is the the kind of unknown about these games. Um, and, and the other thing, just to mention quickly, is that, um, you know, what John was saying there about Cholos and the, the atmosphere, is, it, it, it is an extra element this weekend mm-hmm. and, and for the next few weeks. I mean, there's certain stadiums in Liga MX that are kind of, you know, I don't know, like the bit, the fortresses, the kind of, um, you know, the difficult places to go notoriously. You know, Tigres, I think one of them, maybe Toluca when there's a big game and, and the you know, and the crowd's very close to the pitch. And Leon possibly as well. And and I think that, you know, it's, it's another factor how, how these players and these teams are going to react to, to playing, you know, without without fans there. No, definitely agree. Definitely agree. And let's look over at uh, the final game from Saturday. It's Cruz Azul versus Santos. Um, I mean, I, I hinted at it there, and I'm going to stick with it. I think I, I, I'm going to say Cruz Azul win the title. I mean, they maintain a That's strong... Gonna be tough. That's going to be tough for them to win a title when the final is Leon and Chivas. <laughs> so that's it. <laughs> That's very true. I know how they're going to figure this out, but stranger things have happened uh, in 2020. But I, know, I think they're going to maintain their strong form. They've already won the Copa for Mexico. I mean, already, what more do they need? They've won the, they've won the Copita. They've they've had a, a strong uh, you know form in early 2020. I mean, they now have Shaggy Martinez, Ignacio Rivero. Uh, I'm telling you guys, they're gonna they're gonna get a good win this weekend, and I think that uh. I know. I, I feel like they need to make a statement this season after the cancellation of the last one. I feel like they look pretty good uh, in the Copa por México, or like I said, the Copita. But, yeah, but John, what are your thoughts of, uh, on this on this I, match between Cruzul and Santos? I can't disagree with you, man. I think that one of the biggest questions was kind of how Cruz Azul would carry over after the strong start and you know leading the regular season. When unfortunately, the decision had to be made to to drop the the the, uh, the tournament. 
And they've sort of answered that with a good preseason showing, but it doesn't matter if you can't win games in the league. So, I mean, I do think that they have something to prove. And while I agree with you guys, certainly with Tom's point earlier, that the teams who played in the preseason tournaments maybe have a leg up this weekend, I also feel like there's a fatigue factor that could come in. Um, You know, I, I think you wanted teams to play maybe a game or two fewer than they actually did. You know, I don't think you wanted zero games, but I don't know that you wanted... Uh, what was it like five for Cruz Azul? It was, it yeah, felt like a lot yeah. of games. I, I yeah. should probably know, but I don't. Um, but I do think they're a team with depth. You know, when you talk about Tigres being able to sort of rotate out, I mean, I think that you've seen Siboldi able to do the same thing. He's a coach who knows Ma- uh, Mexico really well. And I think he, you know, certainly has plenty of talent at his disposal. I think the back line is relatively proven. You got, you know, a bunch of different options that look good up top and in, in, in Jonathan Rodriguez, Sebastian Jimenez. Uh, you know, I, I really think that this team has a little bit of everything and, and certainly could be considered, should be considered a title contender. So, um, you know, going up against the Santos team that, frankly, in the last few years hasn't really been able to live up to, I guess, their expectations, I think is in a bit of a transitional moment. Uh, I would say Cruz Azul has the impetus on them to get a victory. But, you know, we'll have to see how it goes. Yeah, and Santos will be missing Brian Lozano. They're going to be missing yeah, yeah. exit Jonathan Orozco. Yeah, I think I think that's the thing for Santos to look out for how what they're going, how they're going to try and replace Brian Lozano and and how's that going to look and how's that going to work coming up against a big team. Um, I think that from the Santos point of view is the is the way to look at it and um, and and how they're going to. I mean, you know, they, they've not had much success on the road since Almada took over. It's very difficult to go to places like Mexico City and and implement that that high press. So it's another kind of fascinating um, experiment example of, of 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 Santos going away and trying to and trying to do it and trying to do it against uh, a really good team. One thing I would say is, oh, Cruz Azul. You know, it depends on who they play up front. Uh, Caraglio's in the mix as well, but they're not they're, they're not a team that's going to always start playing out the back. They're, they're not. The 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 if 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 the high press is is implemented, then they're gonna they're not gonna be afraid to 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 knock the ball longer. Um, and I think that's gonna be that's gonna be a key element of the game. But uh, but yeah, no, we'll see. I think two two good teams, two good teams to watch. I'm not. I mean, I was looking at the newspaper the other day, and it was like the predictions of all the kind of analysts, and but I'd say like 80% said Cruz as old champion, and it's like it, we're in July. You know what I mean? We're in July. I'm just not. I'm not ready to say when you've got, you know, equally good teams in or better squads, but potentially in Tigres, Monterrey, you know, even America, Chivas, Leon, all up there. That you know, they're such a favourite for this title, considering as well how um, how this playoff system is now. But yeah, well, I, well, I agree. That's, that's, that's until your editor tells you to write an article to make some predictions. That's, that's totally I, I, also, prediction. I also feel like it's one of those things where it's almost like you think you're going to be the one with the hot take, and then it turns out everyone has the same hot take. Yeah, like, you know, when yeah. you, you do, like, NCAA tournament picks, Tom, you don't know this, but, like, you know, when you do your bracket and you pick, like, some hot underdog team that, like, you know, was looking really good, and then it turns out everyone has that. Yeah, the Dodgers, for instance, my favorite <laughs> college basketball team. Um, it's the Red no, I just feel like that, that's, like, the, it's become the trendy pick, even though it it isn't in some ways like it's in vogue just because and and it's an easy one you can justify you can say well they were leading the league when it ended and they won this this preseason tournament i do think they have more to prove but i also wouldn't say that 
I, I don't know that I would classify their roster as notoriously or, excuse me, noticeably far behind some of the teams that you mentioned. I think I would put them in, in the same category. So uh, maybe they'll make me look like an idiot, but I guess they're making 80% of Mexican analysts look uh, foolish as well if they don't fill the, fulfill expectations. Tom, can you can you name four NCAA, like, like strong like basketball, like college Dolphins, basketball teams? Red Wings, <laughs> Patriots. Okay, all right. <laughs> All right, let's look ahead. Let's let's look ahead to Sunday's game between Villanova and Duke. Uh, actually, wait, uh, wrong. Okay, it's Bumas versus Garetero. Um, I would say I, I have a lot of questions regarding Bumas and Garetero, and I could see both these teams either narrowly qualifying or narrowly missing out on the playoffs. And I think this game is kind of up in the air for me because I I think a lot of leadership has left. Pumas after you know, Mancora and Pablo Barrera had left the team, even Saldivar to an extent. And even though I know he has been inconsistent, I still think he was a key figure. And just Guerrero, I just, I just don't know how to properly preview this team. I, I just don't like. I don't. I don't. Who? I, I don't know who these Atlante players are. I don't know what's going to happen after all of them left. But I don't know, John. What, what are your thoughts? I feel like, I feel like this is going to be interesting because you can see both these teams either narrowly qualifying or just narrowly missing out of the playoffs. Yeah, especially with Pumas, I feel like they're a team that if you're a Pumas supporter, in a lot of ways, I think you have to be a little disappointed. Um, Maybe that's harsh before the season has started, before the ball has even rolled a single inch. But, uh, you know, the big signing, I guess, is Talavera, who, you know, they did need a goalkeeper. But at the same time, you know, I I think his best days may be behind him. Um, You've still got Carlos Gonzalez. But like you said, I mean, you know, there there are legitimate questions to be asked about this team. And it's a team that, to me, as one of the grandes and as a team that I think has been in some ways on the brink of success in not too distant past, should probably look a little stronger. You know, when we talk about, I, I would put Cruz Azul up there with the squads of, of Tigres and Monterrey and, and Chivas. I don't think you can put Pumas in that category. So, um, you know, I, I, I do think that they, you know, like, like you said, Caretero, I don't know. I really don't know what to expect from that team at all. Pumas, I think you can expect, yeah, to be mid-table fighting for that expanded playoff spot like Tom mentioned. So this, like Tom made the argument that Mazatlan uh, and Puebla have a really critical game, I guess, you know, since we see these teams in the same category as well as kind of mid-table fighting for those expanded spots, I think you would have to say this is also a pretty important game. And uh, it's going to be weird to see the say, ooh, without fans too, just because it's always weird to see those noon games. and. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm fascinated to tune in. Yeah, um, Caretro. I just I don't know. I can't, I mean, I don't know what to expect, but I don't. I'm not expecting anything good. You know what I mean? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, I'm not yeah. expecting a mid-table second division team players to come over and it suddenly be good, and then you lose all your best players. <laughs> you know what I mean? From from a team that was actually quite good. I liked. I enjoyed watching last season. You know, um, and then all of a sudden. You've got what you've got now. I mean, it's not it's not particularly good. I think a big game for for Pumas, like John was saying there. I'm not as down on Pumas as 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 maybe as maybe that. I think they've got good manager in Michel, and I think that they've got a solid team. You know, I, I think they've got a style as well um, that I think will will suit them. And they've got Gonzalez and that Dineno up front. I think they can cause cause some problems. Um, and I think they'll beat Carretero. They should be Carretero. Yeah, they should be Carretero. My, my yeah, concern is the midfield. I'm in... just not sure. Yeah, I mean, they've got um, in the in the I don't mind and, and be gone. I mean, yeah. it's not it's not For the sure. best in the league. 
But um, but I don't know. I think they're an honest team. I think that's what I think that's my thing about Pumas. I think the they're an honest, hardworking team, and and I don't think they're going to do bad. But at the same time, hey, they're number eleven in your but, rankings, Tom. I, I have the receipts yeah, right here. Yeah, number 11. I mean they're, they're a mid-table team. They're, yeah. they're, for me, they're the mid mid-table team. Um, and so I think you are as Talalo down on them as should. I am. Hey, <laughs> you are as down on them as I am. That's what I said. <laughs> no, I mean they should be. Um, but I wouldn't put them in the same bracket as Caretero. I think they should, you know, yeah, they should be true. beating those teams, and, and it's important they do. But they've also got pretty easy starts, so it's important. The, I mean, I think the atmosphere around Pumas isn't good. I think this is the this is the difficult thing with Pumas. I mean, there's 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 reports coming out um, about pay cuts and players not being happy that potentially having to sell Carlos Gonzalez because because. Um, be, be, to pay players what what's what's old and 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 that's not good on the eve of the season and um and and I mean even even that aside that the team the team has not had much money of late so uh, I think that's the that's that's Same. the problem and and they're coming off a preseason where you know they've got battered by Cruz Azul and they've not scored against America or or Toluca um and you look at the first what five games of the season and they've got Coreto should be beating them Atlas should really be beating them. Juarez at home should be beating them. Monterrey, a bit more difficult. And then Mazatlan. You've got four out of five games that Pumas really uh, potentially, you know, they, they want to be winning three of those games. And then if, you know, yeah. the way this league is, yeah. you only need to win five games and you're in the playoffs out of 17. Yeah, and if you, so if, you win, if you win four of those, all of a sudden you're sitting top of the table after five weeks and then the, yeah. the yeah. food that you mentioned totally changes, right? So I do think this game is critical even though it's a game they should win. Because if you lose... That's not going to help the mood either because we know that that's essentially Atlante in disguise and they know it's essentially Atlante in disguise. <laughs> so if you lose this game this week, you know, it's it's silly to say it's a must win and sitting here on, you know, July 25th or whatever the date is Sunday. But at the same time, it really could be critical for, for like I said, for Pumas to prove that they can be better than, than I think and I guess you think. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's why I think it, it is a big game and I think there are still questions in the team despite the fact that they do have some pieces sean you're making me feel self-conscious because in my mind when you said that, I, was like, I was like wait i know what day it is i bet i know what day. and then i tried to think of it and i was off by a couple days uh so let's move ahead <laughs> let's move ahead to we still have three games left to go through so let's go to sunday's monterey versus the luca i mean tom they've the, the the championship hangover is done right right like they, they like like monterey have to i mean I, I said make a statement earlier but like I think regarding Cruz Azul, but Monterrey have to make a statement here, right? Like they have to, I mean, they're arguably one of the best teams in North and South America. They've had time to rest. They recently beat Santos in the three to one friendly. They, they should be getting a win here against Toluca, right? Yeah, they certainly feel like the, they're a lot better placed than the last season coming into the season. I think, you know, I said in the last part, I think this break benefited Monterrey more than any other club. Um, the players are back, you know, Avila um, Zotado's back and they've got, you know, obviously, Sebastian Vegas coming in, Hugo Gonzalez in goal, who I think is going to be a good addition. And yeah, you expect him to be a Toluca team that, you know, has lost Leo Fernandez, Sambuesa's back. Um, I think that's, I don't think he's a bad signing, but I don't know, a Toluca team that is, is also financially struggling and, and going into this season, yeah, I don't know, I've got my concerns about Toluca's, to be honest. And, you know, already, you know, People are wanting Vucetic to come in for Chepo. So, um, so yeah, you expect Monterrey and, and you know, saying the other day, 15 full internationals in that squad. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous that they were in last place last season. And I fully expect them to be 
properly challenged in this season. And and if not, then Mohamed's place, you know, I mean, there is there should be a little bit of pressure there. I mean, I'm not yeah. usually one for saying, you know, the, the coaches should be under fire. And, and going back to Pumas quickly, I think they, they need to stick with Michel because I think he's got a, a decent playing style, decent system, and, and he's not the problem at that club if all of a sudden it doesn't go that well. Um there's there's underlying reasons and you could say the same to a degree with Toluca although Chepo now for quite a lot of years is not convinced that's that's the problem with with Chepo right now but um but with Monterrey yeah you've got to assume that Monterrey are going to take this one and um and and quite convincingly yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of those matchups where we talk about what's the you know are, are the squads notably different in talent I think the answer is absolutely yes you know you look at the front line of Monterrey and then you look at Toluca and it's like, do they have anything that can approach, you know, what what Monterrey is able to do, you know, in terms of a threat at goal? No. And then you look at Monterrey's back line and it's like, yeah, that, that's pretty good as well. And then, you know, Tom mentions Hugo Gonzalez returning. I think this is a really strong team that, yeah, there's no excuse really for being as bad as they were last tournament, hangover or not. So I do think that if, if they're not in the title race this year, you know, Mohamed, who I like, uh, cards on the table, I've enjoyed watching his teams, you know, enjoyed covering him, uh, should be in hot water if they're not able to, you know, they should win this weekend, but if they're not able to get into the title contention, if they're not in the playoffs, then he definitely should be on the way. With Toluca, I just think we haven't really talked about, and sorry, not, no, I'm not sorry, but just to bring up the COVID <laughs> situation again, Tobio, yeah. like the Fernando Tobio situation is unbelievable. And, and yeah. really, it hasn't sort of transcended, I guess, what I would call like our Liga Mekis bubble. But it's absolutely crazy to me. And I just feel like maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe everyone's going to be pulling in the same direction. But I feel like when you have a situation like that, a player essentially saying, I was asked to train when I had COVID, the locker room can't be right. can't be great. It really, I really struggle to think <laughs> that if these guys absolutely have fears, if these yeah. guys have fears about their health, they're not going to be super concerned about getting in the same, you know, getting on the same boat, rah, rah, go team for a team we already look at just on paper and say, yeah, this, this isn't as good as other teams to then add the element of, hey, management is making guys with COVID-19 practice and put us at risk as well. I mean, you know, I know that's in the courts and please don't sue me to Luca, but like, you know, that's what is being reported right now. And if that's true, it's just really difficult to imagine the other players on that team being excited to represent that institution. Yeah, and this is the Luca locker room that's now missing key figures. Talavera has gone, you know, Leo Fernandez, who's a key part of the Luca spine, you know, is also gone. So, yeah, it's not, it's not exactly looking good for them. And I mean, it's just some, somewhat of a tangent here, and I know we should mo- be moving on to the other two teams, but I do begin to feel a little bit bad for, for Chepo de la Torre. I feel like since 2013, since, I mean, his when things went horribly you know ride with mexico you saw him go to chivas thinking like all right this is the project he needs to to bounce back to really like find his form you know maybe win another title and that didn't work out then with santos you're like all right maybe this is a team where he could bounce back find his form you know kind of make his way back up yeah that didn't work out now he's with the luca that hasn't looked promising and it's just it's 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 pretty it's, it's been pretty dismal for him. Bad for him, Cesar, but he's the consistent here. And at this, and yeah. you look at a lot of those other teams, and after yeah. he's left, they've got noticeably better. So that's a very good point. That's a very yeah, good point. And it's it's also like I don't know. Over the last few years, I think we've seen an uptick in kind of clubs want managers who are going to bring an element of sexiness. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Whoa, in <laughs> what an way? element huh? of entertainment. Of kind Are you of, saying he's of, not an attractive of kind man? Of... <laughs> that's why <laughs> I made it. Want a kind of... He's hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I mean, exactly, that's what happened. Chepo was, Chepo was really unlucky with uh, Chivas. Um, they, they weren't doing too bad under him. I mean, I'm not saying they were doing amazing, but he was very unlucky to get fired at the point he got fired at, at Chivas. And then Almeida came in, and all of a sudden he said he wants to, you know, awaken the giant and all that. And it's like, but I think more and more clubs are looking for those managers who are gonna, who are gonna kind of inspire a little bit and kind of, you know, bring a bit of kind of a bit more. I don't know, glamour's not the right word, but just a bit more interest, a bit of kind of um, energy to clubs. And you know, we think we've seen it to a degree in Mexico, but definitely, definitely in other leagues. I mean, I think it's 100% a factor now when when people are hiring, hiring managers, and and it's something that Chepo just doesn't have. I mean, you know, his press conferences are really dull. Um, you know, he's probably a really nice guy, and you know, I've I've interviewed him before, and he seems seems like a nice guy, but he's not. I don't know. I'm looking at the Toluca team, and it's not. I don't know, it's not that exciting, you know what I mean? It's not like you're going into the season as a Toluca fan think, thinking, oh, this is going to be a great season, Chepo's going to drive us forward. In fact, you know, Toluca fans, like I said, they're on Twitter saying they want Vucicic in there. So, I mean, it's uh, it's, it's it's not a great start. It's not been a, a good last couple of months. And Felipe Pardo as well, let's not forget, he's he's left the club and he was... Uh, you know he, he's been he's been he's a good player he's an important player so it's uh, it's a tough one I think tough season this for Toluca. Well now let's look at the league's sexiest manager Miguel Piojo Herrera. He'll be <laughs> him and America will be taking on <laughs> will be taking on uh, Pachuca uh, on Monday night. I mean for, first off it's kind of a danger here. How did Pachuca get the short end of the stick here with Monday night games? That's doesn't seem ideal, but uh, but John, this is a, a Pachuca side that is now going to be missing Franco Jara. Uh, you, you feel like uh, America have a, a little bit of a point to prove after not exactly having the best Copa uh, for Mexico, not exactly being one of the top teams in Mexico in recent months. So this could potentially spell some uh, problems for Pachuca on Monday, right? I don't know. I also am a bit fascinated by Pachuca. I think that they have... You know, in Eric Aguirre, uh, some players that, uh, you know, multiple players who who I think are talented. Sure. They Obviously, the academy factory continues to, to kind of churn out with, like, De La Rosa and, and those kind of players. Even, like, uh, I mean, he's not going to set uh, the, the league on fire, but, like, Colin Kazim Richards is a guy yeah, who's, great like, player. around. And, he's definitely and, yeah, a great certainly, player. You know, certainly can, can, can do a job for you. I'm interested by this team this year, which is, I guess, more than I was kind of expecting. I got Ismael Sosa, you know, and the defense isn't bad either. So I, I think that's that's why I'm interested in this team. Uh, not to say I necessarily am going to tip them on Monday, but I think Pachuca could surprise some people this year and maybe get back to some of that form that they had back in the day under Diego Alonso and, and, and sort of become that team again. I think they've kind of coasted on reputation a little bit. In a way, oh yeah, that's the team that produces players. Oh yeah, that's the team that has a great, you know, cantera. But maybe that hasn't necessarily come true. And I think this year could be a year in which they they start to prove it again. So I'm fascinated to watch Pachuca. And like I said, I, I definitely could see. You know, I, I agree with you. America probably has something to prove. You know that Miguel Herrera has his team prepared when he needs to, um, which I would say is now. You know, preseason. I don't put a ton of stock in. If you couldn't tell in the rest of the pod, but. Uh, yeah, I'm fascinated by Pachuca, and I don't think there'll be a walkover by any means. Yeah, I'd like to see Toluca 
produce a player now as well because it's not you look through the team yeah. these days and it's not like I don't know I think the nearest may be um, Figueroa um, yeah. Tony yeah. Figueroa the winger but yeah. he, and, and he's been talked about for a few years and he's not really blossomed yet so it'd be nice but yeah I think I think Pachuca have they've obviously reinforced with some experience as well I mean and I think they've got options now up front I mean they've got Ibarra on right. the wing who I think has done well in Mexico obviously Davila as well, you know Sosa's back there as well. So, so there's there's kind of there's, there's kind of more options now, which is which is good. Roberto de la Rosa as well, another another young guy that hopefully he breaks out on a on a you know he's, he's shown glimpses, he's shown he's a good player, but but yeah. And then on the other side, America. I mean, I've got I don't know. I know um, there's been some concerns about America, but I, I just think Herrera's going to get it right. Um, and you know he's just signed a new contract, so. I think it'll be given a, a bit of time as well. So, and, and I, don't, I don't, I like the squad. I mean, I think they were, I think they were a good, good side, and um, I think they're going to win against Pachuca on, on Monday. Yeah, and I think. Me? Oh, go ahead, John. Go ahead, Zaysan. No, you go. I was going to say. I mean, I, I think. I mean, Tom brought it up earlier, but I think America has also uh, benefited by having a little bit of time to, you know, potentially work out the kinks. You know, figure out what issues have stood out in the Copa por México, and I think that America has had. Uh, some time now to see where they could fix things in midfield to fix things in the back line. So, I mean, yeah, obviously Guido Rodriguez is there anymore. I think Gio needs to step up a bit more, but they've had some time to kind of realize, you know, where they need to work on their deficiencies. Yeah, I don't disagree. And I think they have sort of a great equalizer in Ochoa who, you know, ever yeah. since he arrived, he had like one or two bad weeks and people were like, Oh, he's not going to be good this time. And then he's been fantastic. So, you know, I think they have sort of an equalizer in, in that way. They have an advantage over a lot of teams, and I think they still have the best goalkeeper in the league. Maybe you could say that there's someone else up there, but, you know, I really do think he's been, been superb since he returned. My question, I guess, is, like, if guys like Vinyas can continue producing. Um, I love Vinyas. Like, I definitely think he could, but I don't think it's guaranteed. And if, if you know, he's not putting it in, like you said, is, is Gio is... Is Rodrigo Martinez like who who really is going to be able to put the ball in the back of that if someone does hit a slump? But you know, I guess we're kind of picking when, when you look at the issues of other teams and compare them to the issues that America has. That seems like a bit of a uh, a nit to pick. So you know, it's certainly a good squad, no doubt about it, as it should be, as you know, the most successful team all time and a, and a club that still has a lot of economic might. So um, I, I'm still going to take Pachuca just to be uh, just to be the fly in the ointment, just to just to be a little <laughs> different. <laughs> but I think both of these teams will make the league. Yeah, how you like that, Tom? They'll be top 12 for sure. Oh, look at that. All right, well, guys, we have just a few minutes left until we hit the hour mark. Um, so let's just quickly go through the, the final game, which was supposed to be the season opener, but obviously uh, it's been delayed, and we'll see if the match still goes through because there is supposed to be follow-up testing uh, regarding Juarez. But uh, it's now supposed to be on Monday night, San Luis versus Juarez. Um, Tom, your thoughts? Because I think, I think this could also potentially be a game that could be really interesting between two teams who might be overlooked by many. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't think San Luis are being overlooked to be honest, because I think I think there's a, there is a buzz around them. You know what I mean? I think I think this is a side that that could do something this season. That um, you know, we've we've talked about teams like Bumas and Toluca and and you know even perhaps Necaxa and um, Atlas and you know I think I think San Luis have, and you know even potentially Santos. Um, I think San Luis are a team that could potentially rise above that. You know, I wouldn't put them in that top kind of category or even the second, but definitely, definitely fighting. You know, fighting hard for for a top eight finish. 
Um, you know, I think they've, I think more than any other club, potentially they've done, they've, they've done stuff in the transfer market with, yeah. you know, bringing in Pablo Barrera and, and Quiroga, who, you know, who should work straight away. I mean, like I was saying, I mean, I don't think they're kind of signings that are good over the long term, but, you know, those two together and you look at the other attacking talents they've got and, you you know, the the crossing, you know, the most crosses last season and, and you think the, the, the it's kind of the, the they've signed smart players for the way that they want to play. Um, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm up on San Luis. So I've actually, since the last pod that we did, in terms of what is, I mean, I don't know. I'm looking over the squad. I'm not, not convinced. You know what I mean? I'm not. I don't know. I don't know. I think I think they're going to be in that kind of chasing pack, you know, around the twelfth, twelfth, thirteenth position. But um, but yeah, I'm excited to see what the starting eleven is as well, and how different it is compared to compared to last season because they've actually done a lot in the transfer market and they've, they've done a lot with with names that aren't really that known. I'm still going to say, of course, Joaquin Esquivel is going to be a, a big name within a matter of months. But John, your 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 thoughts, uh, just to quickly wrap things up, uh, your thoughts on San Luis versus Juarez. Yeah, I'll try and be quick. You know, what is, I think the question is who's going to be there, what bodies are healthy, what players yeah. are able to play. I think for the season overall, we talk a lot about, well, Cruz Azul, can they keep it going? You know, Juarez was doing really well last season as well when they when they, when the season stopped. Um, some movement, as Tom mentioned, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to be able to capture that same uh, energy maybe that they had before. I think Tom's exactly right on San Luis, where you look and teams traditionally, I would say, have success when they bring in players who know Mexico well you know I do think that this is still a league where it does take a little bit of time to adapt you know whether you're coming from Argentina or coming back from Europe or whatever the adaptation time varies but I think players do need time to to understand how the game is played off in Mexico the style and of course where they fit in the team I think that San Luis by reinforcing with some of the players who do know uh, Liga Mekis pretty well I think could be you know pretty successful and I'm also a Memo Vasquez uh, stan I guess so um, yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. All right. Uh, so I think that's about it for us. We're a little past the hour mark. Uh, I want to give a quick thanks to Tom, John, and of course the listeners for tuning in to today's pod. Uh, don't forget to give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and to follow us uh, not only on Twitter, but also on our new Instagram run by producer Amy. Uh, once again, thanks to you all, and uh, we'll see you on the next edition of the League of Mackey's Preview. See you guys around.